Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Project Y podcast, where I, Ariel Zappia, bring on different experts in the homelessness field, and we discuss a variety of topics surrounding homelessness. Today's episode topic is housing and homelessness, and our special guest is Andrea Urchin. Andrea, do you want to introduce yourself, tell us your job title and your responsibilities? Sure. Hi, Ariel. Thank you so much for having me here. Very excited to be here and speak with everybody today. Uh, My name is Andrea Erton, and I am the Chief Executive Officer for Home First Services. Wonderful. And what services are provided at Home First? You can go into programs, anything special? A lot of special things, yes. We are the largest provider of homelessness uh, services, shelter and emergency interim housing in Santa Clara County. Uh, We are in three counties currently, Sonoma, Santa Clara, and soon to be Santa Cruz. Um, We have a continuum of care that we're very proud of. It starts with prevention. So keeping people housed uh, is much easier on the community and the people who would become homeless. It really disrupts all that trauma that happens in the neighborhood as a result of people being unhoused in that neighborhood. We offer the largest uh, provider of outreach services uh, in the city of San Jose and in the county. Uh, We have a array of supportive services, case management, housing specialists, some mental health. Um, We operate the Sunnyvale, uh, the San Jose, and the Gilroy year-round shelters. Uh, We also operate the county's cold weather shelters, and um, the city of San Jose's overnight warming locations. We're the largest provider of veteran services in the county, and we are also the COC lead for the county, which means uh, we are teaching other providers how to care for veterans who are unhoused and their families. Wow. And then we keep going. We've got all the emergency interim housing sites. So we are the innovators with the city of San Jose um, for the emergency interim housing sites. Some people call them the little tiny homes or the homeless Mm -hmm. villages. We have four in the city of San Jose and one in Sonoma and one coming to Watsonville. And the governor came to visit us twice during the pandemic to see these beautiful sites because they're so well performing and so enjoyed by the participants residing there. And then we finally, sorry. Sorry, (laughs) I was just gonna say how amazing that is. I think that those are an incredible innovation that allow individuals experiencing homelessness, you know, to have their own space, to stay somewhere clean, to stay somewhere nice, to be able to live in their own little tiny home whilst trying to get into permanent housing. Yes, you are 100% accurate. And they actually have proven to be effective so far. So 6% of the people staying at our congregate shelters go to permanent housing, but 50% of the people at our EIHs go to permanent housing. And we truly believe that that's because of the wraparound services offered, the Mm -hmm. trauma-informed environment, the fact that people have their own dignified space to detox and retrieve their previous level of functioning, um, which all creates a healthier environment for everybody, right? So thank you. We're super proud of those. We started innovating those six years ago. Wow. No, that is amazing. We have one little village down here in LA and it is awesome. Like it's so clean and nice and everybody that I've ever like talked to while just going by it is so happy about it. I think that it genuinely makes the community happy because people are being helped, but it's also not 
you know, dirty as some people see shelters to be. Mm -hmm. So I think it's also a really good solution of people who may be a little more opposed to various homeless services. It's a way to be cleaner than they may see other things to be. I absolutely agree with you. And we don't have any data that shows that crime increases in the neighborhoods. And our tax assessor actually looked into it for me. And he said that home values do not decrease as a result of homeless services being in your neighborhood. And these sites actually clean up and revitalize neighborhoods. And the neighborhoods are stronger for it. And the people are happier. So I just urge people who are out there when a project is, you know, suggested for their area, please be open to it. Yes, for sure. And then you can continue on with the other programs that you were discussing. Great. Thank you. So we finally end our continuum of care with four affordable housing sites that we own and operate. Wow. Okay. And then kind of bringing those services into our first main question what are the differences between emergency and permanent housing? And then how do those differences affect those staying within the programs? So permanent housing is just that. It's permanent housing. You live there, it's your unit, and you're going to be there as long as you can pay the rent, et cetera. Uh, Mm -hmm. Emergency interim housing, by definition, is supposedly only two years. It's like transitional housing. It can be anywhere from three months to six months, depending on the funder of the site. They actually set the requirements for it. An emergency interim housing can also, after a period of time, become permanent housing um, if the entity so chooses. Okay. And then how does that affect those staying within the program? So in terms of their experience with it, the programs that they're able to access through those various housing resources. I know that at some shelters, depending, emergency housing has more or less resources than permanent housing, just sort of depending on how those are all assembled. So emergency interim housing is different than congregate shelters. Congregate shelters, at least our congregate shelters, unfortunately, don't offer any wraparound services. Okay. So basically, you're given a bed, a computer lounge, Mm -hmm. three meals a day, laundry, all of that stuff. Um, But we cannot uh, provide the supportive services because we just don't have the budget for it. We are working on changing that because we know that pathway to housing is through support. Yeah. And that's the only way some folks can navigate our really complicated systems. And then we have the emergency interim housing sites uh, where people tend to stay about six months, six months to nine months. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the folks who have their own private room, some of them their own private room and bathroom. They have wraparound services. Okay. Okay. So then all of those services that you mentioned before are for those in the permanent or then the emergency housing. Yes. And permanent uh, supportive housing are units that have not just the voucher, but they have supportive services attached to them. Mm -hmm. And then there's permanent housing that doesn't have supportive services attached to it. Okay. So it's more just dependent on whatever program that they're in. Yes. And whatever their need is. Okay, perfect. And then for our next question, what aspects of homelessness does housing typically address other than the basic shelter with a roof over their head? Start with mental health. If you have a door that locks and you're safe in your unit, you're not a victim of domestic violence or abuse of of any kind, Mm -hmm. then you have mental security, emotional well-being, 
you have the ability to uh, detox from the trauma that you experienced while you were unhoused. Many women are approached for sexual favors or are raped or have to uh, hook up, let's say, with a man who is abusive to keep them safe while on the streets. And so many women are really struggling with all of those emotions and all of those memories. And so a door that locks is extremely important for your mental health and well-being. Um, yeah. And I know, too, with the tiny homes, we were talking about this a little earlier. It allows people to have their own space in that way, because being homeless is extremely traumatic. Living on the mm-hmm. streets, whether you're directly on the streets or in shelters or couch surfing, whatever the case is, it's extremely traumatic. You don't know your next step. You don't know who you're going to interact with that night. You don't know what's going on on the street that night. So those tiny homes especially allow them to sort of have their own space and exactly like you said, detox within them. And I think that provides a lot of mental health help as well, even without, you know, specific programs, just being able to lock your door, as you said, have your own space, know that you're going to be okay. And also know that you're able to do whatever you like in your tiny home. Yes. Meditate. If you want to take a second for yourself, you know, to sort of ground yourself, you don't have to worry about what's going on outside in order to just take a step back and take a second for your own mental well-being. Yeah, it's it's really about a dignified existence, right? When you have your own space, there's that sense of dignity. Uh, You can have some self-respect for yourself. Others can respect you. There's no need to feel shame. Um, you're able to be clean, you're able to be part of a community, you can support others, you can be supported by others. There's just so many beautiful things that happen at those sites as a result of people coming together to work through their trauma and really bond. Yeah, and I think also having access to the sort of tiny home community is really good to be able to build connections with people a big part of at least what I've seen when interviewing individuals experiencing homelessness is really a lack of any sort of social network mm-hmm. and with that comes difficulties with trust difficulties with being able to connect with people because of past experiences so having a community where one you have your own space so you don't have to constantly be around people if you don't want to but then also where you can each come together and connect and be friends as if you are living in you know a normal permanent housing neighborhood so i think that's great because forming relationships and friendships and just connections of any sort is really important to yes just you know be mentally stable and well to have a good time to laugh and then also to be able to support yourself and others when needed absolutely also there's a financial benefit and so it's about a hundred thousand dollars for uh, somebody to live on the streets unsheltered uh, who's a utilizer of any services Um, It's about $42,000 a year to take that person and place them in a tiny home community or emergency interim housing site, $42,000, less than half of $100,000. And then if if we're going to prevent homelessness altogether, we could provide every family living at 30% AMI a $500 a month guaranteed basic income. That only costs $6,000 a year. Wow. 
so it's cheaper, you know, to keep them housed than yes. keep them on the streets, which it is so- really is exponentially so. Yes. No, that's incredible. And how successful would you say that housing term in regard to keeping people off the streets and also just for their mental well-being? You know, I think it's 85% of the people that we have permanently housed are still housed two years after their housing. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty high number. Yeah. Um, That means the recidivism rate is only 15%, uh, which is not great. But to be, you know, we're dealing with people who have had many challenges over many years, who have been chronically homeless. So challenges are to be expected. Um, We have people struggling with hoarding disorders. Um, and those can be very harmful for environments. And so often people are evicted for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, there are many, many benefits to housing people. And, you know, the cost is one. The community health is the other. Um, when you've got people housed in a community, you have a community. Yeah. And sort of following off that question, how often would you say that people come back? I've heard that a lot of the time, the first time housing may not be successful, but sometimes you sort of have to try with the same person two or three times and then it sticks. So would you say that you've had that same experience? We've had some of that. Some people are able to resolve their homelessness very quickly on their own by staying in one of our shelters. And these are the people who are super resilient. They have a lot of those resiliency traits, the studies that came out of Chicago in the 1980s. Um, And then we have those that do not have as many of the resiliency traits, maybe only one or two or three out of 2022. And so those folks are going to be the ones who are challenged. And those folks normally are the people who have already been chronically homeless, Um, Many of them with a mental health challenge or a substance abuse challenge or both or a disability, um, creating additional challenges for them. So we see a wide spectrum. Okay, I see. Thank you. And to sort of wrap everything up in regards to Home First, how can people help Home First with its mission? How can people help more people to be housed? I love that question. Thank you, Ariel. Uh, So (laughs) number one, you can go to www.homefirstscc.org and you can hit the donate now button. Um, That is always extremely helpful for us. We fund some of our own programming that assists people in shelters. We call it the HOPE program. And you can donate specifically to that program or to the agency as a whole. And the HOPE program provides deposits, security deposits, uh, application fees to people who are living at our shelters and trying to get an apartment. That is just incredible. Yes, we've housed almost 600 people this year using that fund. So it's very exciting. Um, And then... We also have uh, donations. Um, We're always looking for socks, new underwear, blankets in the winter, jackets. You can hop onto our What Do We Need Now on our website page, or you can volunteer at any one of our sites. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I do hope that people are able to help you out. And now just for our final question, which is always the special question of the day for our viewers to understand you more on a deeper level. Do you see housing as the primary solution to homelessness? Yes, and. (laughs) Yeah. 
So that's a very complicated question. And, you know, there's all that buzz right now about how Texas is moving the needle on homelessness and California isn't able to do that. Texas has lots of land. They have lots of affordable land. They can build anywhere they want. They don't have the expense of the cost of construction here that we do. And they do not have the CEQA or the environmental studies that are required, at least here in the city of San Jose. Um, so, you know, with that being said, we need interim solutions, uh, yeah. like the emergency interim housing sites. They are very expensive, though. And so there's this battle of do we build more emergency interim housing sites and take the money away from building affordable housing? Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's that challenge and it's a sticky wicket. I mean, it's just yeah. not fun. And yeah. then we have the fact that if we prevent homelessness from occurring, it's going to be much cheaper for all of us in the long run. But that, too, is a large expense. Yeah. And so we have to be mindful of all of those things. I honestly think we have to do everything at once. We need a guaranteed basic income for people at 30% AMI to stop homelessness from occurring. We need free and affordable childcare programs to stop families from taking middle school and high school and college students out of school so they can care for younger siblings. And we need more BIPOC homeownership programs. The number one way to bust generational poverty is through home ownership. Mm -hmm. So I really think we have to do all of those things and affordable housing. Thank you so much for your insight. And that is all. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to learn more about Project Y or read personal stories from our unhoused neighbors, feel free to check out Project Y's website, www.projecty.biz. If you were able to, please also donate to allow me to continue recording podcast episodes and posting stories regularly. And of course, check out www.homefirstscc.org to learn more about Home First. See you next time.